Sometimes Easter is probably one of the hardest times to preach. Uh, not because of the crowd. Actually, it's not because of the people, although y'all look great this morning. Suits, ties, dresses. And it's just one of those times of year that we come and we pause and we remember what Christ did for us. This morning as we look at the cross, but this morning we look at an empty cross. Because Jesus is no longer there. He's no longer in the tomb. He has risen for us. And when we look at the cross, I think there's all of us sitting here today would either agree or say, you know, that's true, that we all one day want to be in heaven. That one day we want to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus said in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in me should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. You see, when God sent his son, when God sent the innocent lamb to go to that cross for us, he did something that we could never do for ourselves. He did something that we could never earn for ourselves, that he gave his son, and Jesus went to the cross, and he died on that cross, and three days later, he arose from that tomb to save us. That stone was rolled away, and the grave was empty, because this Jesus, this son of God, has risen from the grave, he has defeated death, he has defeated hell, he has defeated sin, and the grave. Because of the perfect work of Jesus Christ that he accomplished, our sins are forgiven. I wonder that while those soldiers were around the cross that day, and we've heard one story about the one that said this truly must be the Son of God, so that cross changed him, because we've been talking about how this cross changes everything. But I wonder if those soldiers that day stood around that cross and said, let's just get this done. Let's get this over with. I mean, after all, this is just another crucifixion. It's just another three men that we're putting to death. Let's just get this done. A year from now, nobody will ever remember what's happened. But it's not true, is it? Thousands of years have gone by. And you wonder. You have to wonder about ourselves. You have to wonder about what's going on in the world. I can't really change anything that's going on in the big picture of the world, I can change what's going on around me. And I often wonder a lot of times that when I was a kid, I remember, I may have shared this story before, but when, when I was a kid, my parents would line all of us up, and I had three other brothers, one younger one, he got by with everything, but he's a state trooper now, so he gets that right. But they'd line us up, and they'd ask us, okay, who did it? Well, they'd go right down the line. Well, it seemed like I always started to whistle when I was about to tell a lie. Because it wasn't going to be me, but I'd be whistling. I didn't know it. And so somehow I always got in trouble because I started whistling even though I didn't know it. And I didn't figure that out for years. So you know who got the blame for everything. So my question is this. Was it at my first lie that God frowned upon me? Was it my first lie? Was it my second lie? How about the first big complicated lie? You know, the big one. Whatever I lied about. At any point, did my lies make me no longer right with God? Or maybe I wasn't right with God in the first place. 
because I told a lie? Do I now have to do something good to make up for my lie? And my question this morning is this, and for all of us, as we talk about three questions here in a minute, how do I know if I'm right with God? Do my good works outweigh my bad works? Do I have to do any good works? Do I have to do anything special? Or is it just kind of whatever I want to believe and what I decide to believe that makes it right? How do I really know? So I guess the big question right now is this. If something happened to us right here, right now, for whatever reason, God forbid, that we would just kind of slump over in the pew and quit breathing and our heart stop and we never come back, how do we know for sure we're going to heaven? Well, somebody's going to say, I'm at church on Easter. That counts for something, you know. How do we know? Have you seen that commercial that's out on TV where these, this family's getting on this uh, carnival ride and they're asking questions and the guy says, well, I inspected it this morning. It should be okay. You know, are we that way in life? Is just okay good enough? Or do we want to be certain? When you get on an airplane, you want the mechanic to be certain everything's okay, or the mechanic just say, I think everything's okay, it should be good. You know, no, we want everything perfect. You see, we all fall into four categories, and in your outline, number one is, some of us are sitting here this, this morning, and we're secure about who Jesus is in our life, yet we're still unsure. And that's possible. And that's a tough place to be, and I want us to understand that. That to be secure but unsure, they're right with God, but we just don't have that peace about it. We still have that gnawing idea in our heart and our mind maybe where we'll say, well, yeah, I know God, I've been baptized, I try to go to church, I do all those things, but still, I don't know. Have you ever been there? That we just don't know for sure? Or number two, those who feel secure but are not sure, they believe in religion, but they also believe in their good works. But they're not real sure or they're not real secure about God. So we go through life and we just kind of hope nothing happens till I can get secure, till I get right, make everything good, and we kind of just mosey through life, still not quite there yet. Or number three, others are not sure and they're not secure. And this is a lot of people. You'll hear them in the world and they'll say, well, I kind of sort of believe Yes, there's a God, and I sort of believe in God, but I don't know if I want to do everything he asked me to do, so I'm really not sure. But then number four, and this is where I hope and I pray we either all are at or where we will get to be, those who are secure and sure. Man, we need to be secure and, and sure about who Jesus is. That as we look at these words of Jesus on the cross, that we can say beyond any shadow of a doubt that I am right with God, that I know him, and he knows me. I am confident in my relationship, and I am sure of my salvation. So how do we get to this secure and sure position? So let me ask three questions this morning. The first one is this. Do you see your need? We were looking at the two thieves on the cross. So can we acknowledge that we actually have a need of forgiveness? Can we actually answer the question and say truthfully, we have a need for a Savior? So in our text, there's two thieves, one on each side of Jesus. And Jesus, then I would argue that these two thieves represent us at some point in our life. 
that yes, that we are one of these two thieves. Either we have been or we are still today. We're one of the two. The one who repented said this in Luke 23, 41. He says, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. Man, catch that. He's hanging on the cross. He's dying for what he has done in his life. He says, we're getting what our deeds deserve. We're guilty. Yes, we deserve this punishment. We deserve everything that's coming about. But what about us? Do we see our need? And the trust is many people will say, well, I know that you ask. And we'll ask and we'll say, well, I, I don't know if I do or not. And I'm just not sure if I need Jesus or if I need all of Jesus. And people say, I've tried. I work at it. I try hard. I'm a good person. I've never killed anyone. I'm not as bad as somebody else. I do all these things. I should be all right. Shouldn't I? I hope. So how many are willing this morning, as I admitted earlier, that we've told a lie? I mean, would everybody admit you've told a lie? Raise your hand. Go ahead. It's a safe place. Okay, keep your hands up. So what are you? Your hands are raised. You're liars, aren't you? You're no good, dirty liars. Okay? This is called what it is. Have you stolen anything? Don't put your hand up. You know, that pen from work, that nice pen from the bank. You know, you just kind of stuck it in your pocket. If you did that, what are you? You're a thief. What was the two guys on each side of Jesus? They were thieves. They were in need of Jesus. So welcome to West Liberty Easter 2019 where you're thieves and you're liars and we're going to call it like it is. Okay? Do you see your need? So does that mean if we are thieves and if we are liars and we are all these things, do we deserve to be right with God? Do we even deserve it? No, we don't. We don't really deserve it, but do we see the need? What do I deserve? I mean, what do I really deserve? Because of the sin nature before God, I deserve what the Bible says. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is what? Is death. So I truly deserve death. And it even says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So what's interesting to me this morning is this. That next to Jesus, there's one of two thieves hanging on the cross. Both thieves are guilty. Both are guilty of thievery and doing all those things. Both heard the exact same things Jesus was saying on the cross. Both heard, both saw everything going on. Both were suffering severely, being crucified. They were both dying, both in need of a Savior. But only one recognized their need. Only one was willing to say, this man's done nothing wrong. I'm getting what I deserve, but not him. He recognized his need. It's amazing that even over the years that I've been preaching, Stacy could probably do the same thing in the years that he stood in the pulpit, that as we preach our hearts out a lot of times, we can watch people sitting next to beside each other, and you can see the people who are getting it. I mean, their eyes are lit up, and they're eating everything you're giving out. But then there's always somebody sitting beside somebody whose eyes are glazed over, as glazed over as a Krispy Kreme donut. 
And you just know they're not getting it. One is and one isn't. One's getting the word of God and the other one's sitting in there yawning going, holy cow, when's this going to get over with? There's a baseball game starting in the next like 40 minutes. We've got to get home. I've got to get the grill fired up. I've got to do all these things. And they missed the whole truth about Jesus. One of those thieves missed the boat about Jesus. Do we see our need? Do we truly see our need? Number two, who do you say Jesus is? This is huge, folks. The repentant thief said this, don't you fear God? He actually said, this man has done nothing wrong in Luke 23, 40 and 41. I mean, even this thief who's been probably all of his life going around stealing what he wants, he says something about Jesus. He recognizes Jesus in his sinless life, but who do you say he is? A lot of people will say he's just a teacher. He's just another prophet. He's just some crazy dude spewing out all these promises that he can never uh, fulfill. Who just happened to have some power to raise people from the dead or to heal the sick or to open blind eyes or deaf ears. He just had a chance to do those things. But who do you say he is? Or is Jesus the sinless Lamb of God in our life? The one who gave his life for our sins. The one who went to that cross and on the third day God rolled that stone away and the world found an empty tomb and that Jesus was risen from the dead. So again, who is he to you? Please don't let it be what mom and dad said he was. Don't let it be what grandma and grandpa always said who God was or the Sunday school teacher or a friend. But what about you? Why do I say this is important? Because even with Peter, when Jesus was asking that question, who do people say that I am? He asked Peter directly, Peter, who do people say that I am? And Peter says, they say you're a lot of people, Jesus. Remember what Jesus asked Peter? No, Peter, who do you say that I am? It's personal. It's got to come from the heart. And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. It's interesting to me to see who others and what they say about Jesus. And even God, when Jesus was baptized, and God looked down on Jesus, remember what he said about Jesus? He said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Even Judas, man, the one who betrayed Jesus, said this, I have betrayed innocent blood. Pilate, who condemned Jesus to a horrible death on the cross, Pilate said, I find no fault in him. And Pilate's wife even said, have nothing to do with this just man. That's huge. But who do you say that he is? When you look at his life and you look at Scripture and you look at what he's done for us, Jesus said, in the, I'm sorry, the Bible says that Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, humbled himself, taking on the very nature of a servant, became obedient even to death on the cross. I mean, when Jesus was born, he was born as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, but he wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a manger around animals. He didn't have servants. He didn't have maidservants, but he had animals around him. He didn't wear a crown of gold. He wore a crown of thorns when he wasn't surrounded by worshipers at the cross, but he was with people that mocked him and beat him and did all those other things. When his enemies hurled insults at him, I mean, when man did their very worst to him, Jesus is on the cross simply saying, 
Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then when he spoke those faithful words that I thirst, the last of the prophecies were fulfilled, hundreds of prophecies fulfilled. And Jesus looked up at his father and he simply said, it is finished. It is finished. He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And with that, he took his last breath. He says, no one takes my life, I lay it down on my own accord. So let me ask again this morning, do we see our need? Who do you say Jesus is? And number three, have you experienced his grace? Have you experienced his grace? These words, he has done nothing wrong, are huge to our story. They're huge to us. But the words of Jesus that he said after that, we don't want to miss. Where he says, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. That's a promise we can hold on to. That's a promise we can cling to. Jesus answered them, I tell you the truth. You see, again, we are one of these two thieves this morning. And I want us to understand that. I want us to grab onto that. So the question, have we experienced his grace? Have we recognized who Jesus truly is? Do we see the need that we have for Jesus Christ? When that thief cried out, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And when Jesus spoke with the most grace-filled words, said, today, you will be with me in paradise. What I love about that scene I think like a lot of us, maybe, if we were in that position, we looked over at him and said, are you kidding me? I've been a Christian all my life. I've done all these things, and now, at the last second, you want to become a Christian and go to heaven? I don't think so. But not Jesus. Jesus sees to his heart, and what I love is Jesus tells him at that moment, this very day, you will be with me in paradise. He couldn't go back and join a church. He couldn't go back and get baptized. He couldn't go back and do all the things that he needed to do. What he did, he did right there, and that's all that was needed because it was Jesus who did it. He said, remember me. Today, you will be with me in paradise. You see, Jesus fulfills all the needs that we have in our life. He takes us from where we need to be to where we should be. He wants us to take that path, yes, that narrow path, because it's not always easy. We understand that. But it's a path that he has set before us. So do we see our need? Who do you say he is? Have you experienced his grace because the hardcore truth of the matter is this. We are one of the two thieves on this cross that hung on each side of Jesus. We can walk out of here this morning like the one thief that, if you're the Christ, save us, save yourself. Or we can be like the other thief. Say, Jesus, today, remember me when you go into paradise. Remember me. And we make that decision for him. Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Folks, this morning, this grace of God is a gift. 
The Christ who died on that cross for our sins is a gift. The Jesus that went to that tomb and rose three days later is a gift that he has given to us, to the world, so that we might know eternal life. 